0: Hey, this is Ollie, and welcome to the private members podcast for The Body Reset. This podcast has been built to help build the skill set of health so you're equipped with the skills to navigate life in a body that never holds you back. I'm going to walk you through some of the core concepts, beliefs and strategies we use in The Body Reset coaching system to help transform your body, upgrade your energy and dive deeper into understanding long term health and performance. Let's find that first domino. Hey guys, Ollie here. Uh, Today I want to dive into your relationship with food, understanding what are the three components that we see regularly coming up that make a really big difference with our long-term relationship with food, being able to feel good in our own skin, feel like when we look in the mirror we're proud of what we see, or we at least are able to feel good about it. I think there's a lot of uh, avoidance of mirrors, there's a lot of guilt and shame around food, and it really detracts from an entire environment, from a social setting when we're going out to dinner, when we're choosing meals to eat, and really this disconnect connection from our body because we're really scared to feel a craving for certain foods because we're not able to make those certain adjustments so firstly what does it really mean and secondly how do we really feel in control of what that looks like so if you're joining us live on the call I'd love to get uh, any questions or any comments below on what is your relationship with food right now maybe even rate it one to five what does that look like if you just drop that in the comments below I'd love to know where we can help you most on today's call because this is a topic we see come through really really regularly now, to walk you through this uh, and a bit more of breakdown, this was started with a mentor of mine, John Berardi. I've been through many of his his, his stuff in the past. And uh, this, this study was done through hundreds of thousands of clients. So a little bit more of a database than, than we currently have. But uh, we see the same thing happen with our clients all of the time. And one of the troubles that you've likely seen on social media through Instagram and Facebook and TikTok or wherever you, you look at your stuff is everyone's focusing on what should I eat? What is that food? When really, if we look at the nutritional challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis to make sure that we stay on top of this long term, there's typically a lot more to go on there, right? And from the study that was done through hundreds of thousands of clients, the first one that came up was emotional and stress eating, right? Not f- f- far behind was things like lack of planning, craving, snacking when not hungry, eating too quickly, and then a sweet tooth, right? So really that cravings component again. So these are aspects that I really want to address in today's call. Keep it really short and sharp and make sure it's actionable for you. But just taking the time to look at with the data that we have on a day-to-day basis and ultimately how we've built our program to make sure that it's a, it works in a real-world setting, not just a, this is the exact meals that you should eat and you should eat like a robot. It's taking the time to really take in consideration the human, the lifestyle, the behavioral element that we really deal with on a day-to-day basis. So if you are someone who feels that There's, you've been through all the diets, you feel that you've got a real resistance, guilt or shame or worry around certain foods, you're not quite sure anymore what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating, what foods you feel best on, or even just understanding how to feel good in your own skin. Maybe you're just constantly exhausted and always tired. I'd really like to address that and make sure that we can dive into areas of that today. So the three steps I really want to dive into today is first, understanding our chemical needs, coming right down to a cellular level, what's really going on and why is our body got these cravings, this need from an emotional standpoint to eat. The second one, we're going to dive into your labels of food. That really, really matters and understanding, potentially picking ourselves up on the words we're using around food. And then lastly, our emotional response, right? Taking into account the relationship with food directly around the emotions tied to food or associated with food. Now, a really important point to bring up here is understanding that it really is not your fault, right? We've been programmed at such an early age to seek something external to fix us, right? We take the painkiller because our back hurts. We take the heartburn pill rather than taking the time to slow down to eat. We get drunk, rather than facing our emotions. We see this all the time. We watch TV to block out the world rather than really breathing and taking the time to de-stress. And we avoid the hard conversations either with ourselves or others and find a way to just continue to move forward, right? The biggest decision we seem to be making in this in this age is indecision. Taking the time to really lock into one decision and moving forward, I think would make a really big difference in itself, but that's a conversation for another day. So where I want to start is on this chemical component and really understanding deeper down at at a neurotransmitter level is understanding a little bit of a difference between both serotonin and dopamine okay hopefully you've heard of these uh, neurotransmitters both of them tend to be associated with certain things so dopamine is a real learning motivation driver whereas serotonin seems to be more of a long-term commitment uh, a contentment sort of uh, level of feeling feeling nice you know nice long-term it's not high level excitatory and feeling amazing but it's just a low level of you know, really nice mood, feeling good and calm through that period. So knowing that there's two neurotransmitters there that we are really taking into account, there's obviously more, but these are the two that ones that I want to focus on today, is when we look at something like serotonin, 90% of this is made in our gut, which we've talked about plenty of times in training. So taking the time to look at you know, the spiral effect of if you eat uh, lots of sugars, lots of low-quality foods you'll likely find that it's very hard to regulate you know, a, a high, happy mood through the day. You tend to notice that your mood is lower also, not to mention your sleep and uh, other functions in the body as well. Whereas dopamine really seems to be something that we're constantly seeking. At a, at a, at a very primal level, our body is made to seek that dopamine, right? A dopamine, that high-level drive, motivation, uh, short spikes to really make things happen. The trouble is, and you see this a lot in the space of acting, in the space of performing, where people are in really high dopamine, dopamine areas where they just feel fully alive you know if they're they're daredevils that are jumping out of planes skydiving or bungee jumping or whatever that might be you get a really really high dopamine hit in that moment but when it goes up what you know what goes up must come down but the trouble with something like dopamine is it doesn't just come back down to baseline it will go up it'll go below baseline and then over time it will build back up to a new norm so if you're constantly seeking the dopamine then you go up and you'll notice that you get lower and lower, and lower, to the point that you no longer feel like you can feel excitement, because you've got a level of, in a way, dopamine resistance, where your body's really not in a position that can seek those high levels of dopamine, okay, so we notice this a lot in those uh, adrenaline sports, but you also notice it more and more in that space where there's a lot of sugars coming through as well, all right, and that's really where, you know, if we take a, a quick look at this picture, there's a lot of colors uh, straight away our body associates certain flavors with these foods and we start to salivate right we start i certainly am <laughs> i would have a sweet tooth that top left hand corner of all the lollies i could demolish that i know it would feel terrible afterwards but uh, there's a natural instinct to want to eat those foods right there's so much colors and flavors that are brought into that and there's a dopamine response that our body's naturally seeking when we start to have those foods all right Now, a really, really important part, and this quote was brought through by Mandy, who's one of our clinical nutritionists inside of the Med project, that I really thought was a great thing I wanted to add in here, which is... If you eat boring food, your brain will find a way to eat something else. If you're constantly looking at your healthy option, right, your chicken salad, as a really bland food, you've just got some green leaves and some dry chicken, you can have as much willpower and and, uh, discipline as you like. Eventually, your body will find a way to uh, eat something else, get a burger on the way home or make something else or not have the time to cook that meal. Just reinforce being able to eat something else. Because if we don't get stimulus from our meals and actually enjoy those meals, our body will naturally seek that stimulus somewhere else. So we need to find that space of creating stimulus around our meals, enjoying our meals, so we can create a positive association with eating healthy. Because if there's there's healthy and boring over here and exciting and unhealthy over here, so we're going to eat the unhealthy thing more and more times and we're going to beat ourselves up for it. So being able to simply look at our association of those foods has to be a place to look at. And we spend a lot of time looking at healthy, simple, uh, tasty recipes for our clients to make sure it's not just here's your chicken and broccoli but here's that taste here's that vibrancy back to your meals to make a real difference so the concept that we're looking at here is something called post ingestive feedback and it's a really, really interesting space where ultimately our body is seeking certain uh, it's associated certain flavors with certain nutrients that the body needs so they might get pop- copper and magnesium out of a banana they might get zinc and, and something else out of berries right there's certain nutrients that they know come from certain foods and certain sweetnesses, certain flavors the trouble is is we've got massive companies working to the point that we're artificially manipulating our taste buds to seek new things. So rather than seeking salt, we're now seeking chips. Rather than seeking the berries, we're now seeking chocolate, right? And we're we're starting to trick our body into craving these foods to get certain nutrients, and it comes back to that mentality of we're over-consuming, yet we're undernourished. We're eating all of the foods, but they contain no nu- nutrient-dense uh, components, right? So we continue to eat, and our body continues to eat until it finally gets the nutrients that were never there in the first place. And this is where really where we get into the space of overeating, binging, and getting the point that we just can't stop ourselves from finishing the container, right? The classic pink- Pringles effect. As soon as we start, we can never finish. So the next one I want to dive into here is number, th- uh, number two, which is your. are week- Awareness of the words you use around food. Now, if you're in a space that you've done these diets before, you've put yourself in restrictive plans, this is typically something that we really need to work on, right? If you look on the left hand column, we tend to be in a space where we're focused on the good and the bad, the healthy, the unhealthy, the sugary, the fattening, the cheat days, the free calories. It becomes very binary, right? It's either good or it's bad, there's nothing in between. And that's really something that we need to start to address so there's a slightly better version which is there's a bit of a splurge there's nutrients there's fast foods there's nourishing there's something to avoid there's macros calories moderation that's starting to get much much better but if we can really go to the green which is hey i'm going to eat less of these things because they don't help and i'm going to eat more of these things because they do help or they feel good when i eat them and it really allows you to go from more of a binary good or bad to more of a spectrum if "If i eat more of these foods i feel better if i eat less of these foods i feel better so taking the time to look at that space uh, of just awareness around certain foods no one food provided it's cooked (laughs) is going to be drastically problematic by itself having one beer is not going to be problematic but if you if your one beer is your trigger to now have 12 well that's something we need to now address because we need to get away from this binary it's either good or bad it's either helpful or it's unhelpful and allows us to really work with our body knowing that if we've had one we can certainly Uh, Make some adjustments to feel good again and use that data to adjust rather than going from good to bad and really not knowing if there's anything in between. Right. This goes a little bit deeper when we start to look at the words that really, truly matter here. Right. The difference between I have to versus I get to, we see all of the time. If you're doing the exercise because you have to, you'll find ways not to exercise. If you do it because you get to, you'll find opportunities to exercise everywhere. Right. Something you enjoy now, something that you notice how much better you show up on a day-to-day basis because of. If it's something I must do, this creates a or our situation. If I don't achieve this in 10 weeks, what happens? Well, usually nothing, but we just create a whole lot of stress about arbitrary goals that we have set for ourselves or we're putting a challenge or whatever it might be, taking the time to get rid of these musts and just start to be part of this curious exploration of how I can make myself better or worse and make those decisions from there. We go really, really deep with our clients to understand the difference between this is a food that you'll likely feel worse on, but it's totally up to you whether you want to eat it right it's like telling a child if the stove is hot you can you can touch it but it will be hot and it will burn your hand and it makes a really really big difference because if i say you cannot have ice cream or if you tell me to not have ice cream we create a rubber band effect that says i really want ice cream now because i can't have it <laughs> whereas i say hey you can have ice cream but you're, that's why your face is puffy that's why you're bloated that's why you're not sleeping well that's why your breathing's impacted so i would like you to have that a little bit less then you can start to look at that space of, well, I know I feel better when I don't have it, so I'm going to have it less often, right? It's a really, really important space to be in to start to create a better relationship with food, one. But two, also understand what your body's really after, what it's craving, what it's looking for. It's really, really important point. Now, uh, this goes a little bit deeper as well. Uh, this goes very deep. I think big pharma do this very well, right? You have a certain condition. You have this problem. So this is your fix in this fancy new pill. We can use that to be a good thing or a bad thing, right? If If you say you're not a morning person, my response is going to be, would you like to be? Or if, if you're if uh, you're angry, it's taking the time to look at, are you an angry person or are you simply feeling anger? Are you a sad person or are you just feeling sad? Uh, we can go one layer deeper and realize that, hey, sad and happy are both uh, emotions you're always going to feel. They're neither bad nor good. But if you start to be sad about being sad, you'll be more sad. this can be something that really is self-perpetuating right so taking the time to look at these words and understand what you're forcing yourself to do but you really don't have to is a really really good place to start hopefully that's landing for you guys the last one that we go through here number three is this emotional eating really starting to associate our emotions with food or understanding why it's really here so if you're watching or listening along to this one I want you to ask these questions so if you can pay attention to this one the first question is food is what does food do for you just ask, what's the first couple of things that come into your head? What does food do for you? If you're watching this live, you can comment on the, in the chat below. I'd love to see... Uh, where this comes through for you what what does food do for you so potentially it could be fuel it could be energy it could be sluggishness it could be guilt right what are those things that initially come to the surface for you the second one that comes through is what areas of your life call you cause you stress so this is not necessarily food directly but what I'll, i'll bring it back to it what areas of life cause you stress so we may look at work. We could look at uh, when the kids do something, when we're late, when uh, the project's overdue, whatever that might be. The third one that we look at here is what do we eat when you're stressed? Does it change? Right? Do we look for the sugary foods? Do we look for the savoury foods? Do we look for the salty foods? Do we look for certain fizzy drinks? What are those foods that we tend to look at when we're stressed? Does it, Do our options change, or do we make sure that hey, now that I'm stressed? I need to make sure that my food is really on point so I can handle, I can be more resilient to this spot, all right? Big shift. The fourth one that we go through here is describing your connection of guilt and shame. How do you hold on to it, all right? Is this something that you really internalize? Are you talking to yourself in a way that you would never talk to anyone else? Or are you talking to yourself like an old friend, right? Really, really big difference. Is this something that you're telling yourself all those words you'd never want to wish on anyone and really beating yourself down for it? Or are you bringing some level of compassion to how you feel after a certain food and, hey, that didn't feel so good. Maybe I'm going to try something different next time, right? Making those shifts really, really make a difference. So if we did notice that in some of those answers, when we were stressed, when there was guilt or shame, how can we replace this? What could I replace it with from a food standpoint or from a stress standpoint? What could I replace it with when I get stressed? I'm going to go, I'm going to remember to take five deep breaths. I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to have a drink of water first. I'm going to create the 10 second rule. I'm going to sit with it for just a little bit longer before I decide to fix it with food. What can I replace that with? Uh, One thing that we see a lot with... Uh, with alcohol consumption, whether we see with the sugary foods, is ultimately that replacement because our body still wants something in that moment. Uh, So I think rather than just removing it entirely, which you can do, but it's again, it's coming back to willpower and trying to do everything 100% from the start, which we see a lot, right? Or nothing. (laughs) Um, Taking the time to look at what's a small adjustment we can make in the right direction. So rather than having the full Coke, how could we bring it back to simply a soda or a sparkling water or a kombucha or whatever it might be, all right? So we're just bringing it towards more of a uh, it's still a drink that we, we t- it tastes good that's beyond water right so then the last one here is what would food look like without shame really really important place right I'm going to give you a couple examples on this last one that I think are really important right so for me what what was food what is now food uh, I think ones that I really like to look at is one it's fuel right it refuels really my day it's enjoyment right there's certain foods I really do enjoy and I want to have on a social occasion there's nourishment I'm f- fueling my body from the training I'm doing, from the work I'm doing, to make my brain work. um, There's really a nourishment component. There's time with family, friends, partners, whatever that might be. I think there's always a social element to this, and I think it's important to look at this when we start to look at some of the healthiest societies in the world. We look at Italy, we look at France, there's a massive social component to to food, and really slowing down and being conscious of eating, chewing, and uh, enjoying the food, I think is important. We've all become very disengaged. And then lastly, guilt-free, right? Is this helpful for us? it unhelpful but either way it's data it's something I'm going to learn from and make some of those shifts from there so I think it's a really really important space to work with hopefully this is something that was beneficial for you I wanted to keep this relatively short and sharp but I feel that this is such a crucial component of loving your journey again having bringing this from a place of self-compassion rather than something that's constantly beating ourselves down because at the end of the day nutrition food this health pursuit in general should come from a place that enriches our lives not detract from it and if it's constantly something that you're fighting yourself to do something that's making you feel horrible in the process then ultimately it's not going to be something that we do long term and that's not something that i wish on anyone so taking the time to look at this a long-term journey has to be something that you're doing to you not uh sorry for you not to you i think it's a really really important part of this process being from a place of i want to feel good in my own skin so i'm going to make sure i start with my mental headspace and what i tell myself because if i'm trying to do this out of force myself to do it at the six-week period and then i'll go back to my old ways like personally feel like you're missing the point entirely. If you can't do it every day, why would you do it for one? If we can make those small shifts in a way that allows us to feel and look better and function better and for the people around us to get a better version of us, that becomes a pursuit that I find a real positive association with and that you want to continue to do it because it just becomes who you are, becomes who you want to be. And when you're in that space, it becomes something that you find more opportunities, more possibilities to do it more often. If you are forcing it to happen and it has to happen, you'll find opportunities to not do it more often. All right, so hopefully today was helpful. It's an area that we see come through a lot and we've helped thousands of clients with it up until this point and we really walk through every sequence of that mental chatter and that awareness of behavior design through your lifestyle and food because I think that's really what becomes sustainable and allows it to be a platform that's going to work with you for the rest of your life. So hopefully that gives you a really nice insight, something to work on right now. And if there's anything there that you'd like me to walk through in future or you'd like, like us to work through your personal plan, your, your relationship with food, and how we can integrate you back in your day no matter how chaotic it is how exhausted you feel how tired you feel remember when it comes from a level of self compassion you can find a way to fit you back in your day rather than simply forcing it to happen on, on top of everything else because when we have the energy we have the focus Everything else is where we're more productive, we get more done, we feel more clear-headed, we're more resilient to stress, and we actually can get a lot more done in a week than we thought possible before, and we've seen it happen a lot of times. So hope you have an incredible week, team. That's my two cents, and uh, we can talk again very soon. See ya. Bye.